Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I'm your host, Jorge Martin. I'm a little scratchy, uh, but uh, honestly, I want to tell you, Familia, welcome. Welcome to, uh, welcome to, you're following us on YouTube. Please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. And also make sure you're going to fantasypoints.com. You're going to, you're, you're going into, you're putting in our promo code, Familia22. Let me put it up on the screen right now. Uh, Familia22, Familia22, if you're doing it in Spanish, make sure you get, we'll get you 10% off because you get everything. You get uh, Greg Cosell's 200 plus, uh, 200 plus rookie profiles. You get some of the best fantasy minds. Just this morning, there was a great town hall with, uh, you know, with Greg Cosell, with John Hansen with 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 adam camp i mean just and and all of our heavy hitters i mean and you get tom brawley you get scott barrett you get joe dolan you get wes huber i mean all the friends and our amigo here because he is el senor yards created he has just been all over the place we've struck up a, a converse a good friendship over the past year and just it's been just a, a great friend and someone a, a great confidant uh also helped kind of open the door for us to kind of jump into the fantasy points familia and um well it's been it's been great already so far uh and he's been all and like i said he's senor yards created so we're going to get into that a little bit uh i know i know you like the little enye on that one mi amigo but uh <laughs> wow. but yeah so it's uh, i mean he's been all over the place uh you know roto world he's been nfl network i mean and now he's a partner of fantasy points muchas bienvenidos to mi amigo Graham Barfield, welcome back. Welcome back to the show, mi amigo. Yeah, hey man, uh, it's good to good to talk to you again. And uh, you know, you got, you're crushing it in your own right. You need to give yourself some more credit. You earned everything that you you had to, to get into the media group. But we got to give a shout out to Edward Portis, man. He's he's the one who kind of linked all this up. Uh, him and Ben, uh, you know, kind of linked us all together. So a big shout out to to the Go Edwin. Um, but uh, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's exciting to, to talk to you again, exciting to talk some football, and uh, I don't know if we have enough to talk about. It's not like the draft just happened, free agency. We don't, we don't have enough to talk about. And, and it is kind of funny that way. Um, there's so much buildup to the draft. And I mean, I know you put in, I think, I think what was it, Scott, uh, Scott Barrett on a recent tweet he put out there that you put in 230 hours into, into probably, I think that might have, I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> Yeah. But it's so much, so much going into, you know, a thousand, you know, I mean, you've said a thousand carries, but I know it's way more than that, that you get to, that you get to do to uh, put in yards created. I, I just, you know, th this year's process, uh, how's the recovery been, uh, you know, uh, from, from that and kind of the, the aftermath with, and we'll get into a little bit with the, uh, with the, with the recent draft with some of the landing spots. Yeah, uh, you know, I I want to get started on yards created earlier every year, but it, for whatever reason, I just keep having to push it back. You know, the schedule this past year got pushed back a week, and the Super Bowls later. So, I really wish I could turn around and like do this in January and February. But yeah, I actually just added uh, four more running backs to the database uh, yesterday. I'm going to finish up my my big breakdown piece for like rookie drafts and and best ball. Uh, probably put that up on Friday or maybe Monday. We'll hold off on it. Uh, but yeah, if you're listening, definitely definitely use the, the code FAMILIA22. Get yourself 10% off. And um, all of the Yards Creative stuff that you'll hear in this podcast today is is a part of our $50 package on fantasypoints.com. So you know, why not save like six, seven bucks with that promo code? Definitely worth it. But um, yeah, you know, just off the top of our head, like, 
like this running back class is definitely the most unique group I've I've studied. Um, you know, we've got the top two between Hall and Walker, mm-hmm. and then dude, there's like 15 running backs that like it's just a really really long second, third, and fourth tier. Um, so excited to talk to you a little bit about it today for sure. No, it's awesome. I mean, and and you've and you've really killed it on this uh, on this because it, uh, you know it's you talked so much about the top two but you know then the landing spots came in and uh, you know i don't know if i mean we could get we could get into that one but first off i wanted it you know that you talked about you said it was a unique class um some uh, you know could it be somewhat um uninspiring in some parts yeah um because yeah. i i know this i know last year you didn't like the the class that you didn't like the class is it kind of like something that's that's kind of is it where kids are gravitating to our kids you know young kids who are you know are they maybe going to the defensive side of the ball if they're bigger guys or maybe longer and leaner they may be going to the wide receiver side which is which seems yeah. to be just a monster influx every year that could certainly be a part of it. I mean, moms out there are sharp enough to know to not let your kid love to be a running back. I mean, why would you look? I mean, you're going to get pounded by 350 pound linemen and you're never going to get paid. So why would you want to be a running back? So I, I get it. No, actually, I, I wrote about this in my breakdown that will come out and just talked about. I think it's more so just these last two classes haven't been that strong. I mean, we saw in 2017 which in my opinion is the best running back class we've ever seen. I mean, it was uh, just totally loaded from all the top end talent between Mixon and, and those guys and you have Kamara and Aaron Jones. I mean, it was just a loaded, loaded class. I just, these last two classes just haven't been all that great. Um, this is the third time since 2000, we've seen just three running backs go in the top 75 overall picks. It's obviously happened in back to back years, just like you mentioned with the, the previous class kind of um, being lackluster. I don't think it's a, you know, the last class wasn't bad, uh, just lackluster. And this past year, right, I mean, we had 18 day three selections at running yeah. back, a ton of fourth and fifth round picks. I mean, you know, you sort through RB9 through RB20, and I, I can't remember a year where, you know, the 10th running back and the 20th running back is really, really close. I mean, there's usually like a humongous gulf between who you have a 10 and who you have a 20 and this year it feels tighter than ever. So, you know, I've been saying for the last three or four months that this class is definitely underwhelming and still is, but I think the draft kind of opened up another avenue of just like some more of these tier three and tier four backs, you know, that, that went a little earlier than I expected. Uh, and it's kind of made the class a little more fun um, on the, on the back end of things. But like I said, the top is still clear between, between Hall and Walker. And, it, you know, and is it, is, is it kind of becoming a little bit of an NFL, uh, you know, credo or, you know, ethos to have more committees? Because it really feels like, I mean, even, I mean, you know, Brees Hall, everybody's, everybody's favorite running back this year. I mean, one of every, you know, one of the two big running backs is going into kind of a committee. And then, I mean, just so many, and even uh, uh, the past couple of years, you had JK Dobbins uh, yeah. go into a committee. You had Deandre Swift, even Jonathan Taylor started in a bit of a committee. Right. I mean, is it, is it kind of one of those things where just uh, teams are trying to conserve that position and not, and again, not trying to spend too much uh, financial capital on it. 
Well, you know, I, I think you're definitely striking onto something because in, in general, it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, if you give a running back 20 carries per game for 17 games, you know, they might make it through that season without missing a game, but they're definitely going to be playing through injuries. And anytime you play through an injury, I mean, it just really depends on the severity, but it's definitely going to you know, decrease your efficiency. You know, especially now with these really competitive teams um, in the AFC, um, I, I definitely believe there's there's something to, like, especially early in the year, just kind of like, it, it's like in baseball, Jorge, you know, like you get your stud pitcher out there in April and you, he's like Clayton Kershaw, he's playing against the Twins, whatever, two or three weeks ago. They could have let him go the whole game, but it's April. The game's basically meaningless and he's dealing. But you got to, you know, you got to take care of your guy. I think it's kind of the same idea with running backs. It's like, okay, we could give Jonathan Taylor 25 carries in week one and do that for the rest of the season. But at the same time, like we have to make sure we're taking care of our guy and keeping our guy healthy. So in the long run, we can make a push. Um, There's just very few teams that use bell cows anymore. It's like the Steelers do it. They're going to do it with Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, really, that's like the only one, maybe Christian McCaffrey. Um, but even then, I, I think McCaffrey, I hope, fingers crossed, that the Panthers actually start using him a little more wisely and, and keep him off the field to keep him healthy. You know, he doesn't need to be out there 90% of the snaps, like 65 70%, um, I think, is the new bell cow. And hopefully they do that with McCaffrey this year. But, yeah, there's just really not a ton of bell cows left. And, that, you know, that definitely hurts us for fantasy. But uh, it also makes a lot of these running backs we're going to talk about today a little more viable, too, because they might have bigger roles than – maybe in previous years yeah fingers crossed on that and you know what it's interesting you use the pitcher running back analogy because uh pat fitzmorris i had him on about six months ago and he used the same thing uh fantasy using fantasy baseball versus fantasy football uh but yeah you're right you want to keep those horses uh you know in the stable you want to keep them keep them healthy and not not too banged up because they this is such a a position of attrition as i've said many times before um oh one thing i just want to give a quick shout out you uh um, this is Jay Wall. Jay Wall, meet Graham. Uh, Jay Wall is who uh, created the uh, thumbnail that for our for our oh, YouTube. Cool. So yeah, that yeah, was really cool. Yeah, big nice shout stuff. out, big shout out there. But um, yeah, so Jay Wall, muchas gracias otra vez. But yeah, it, and it is interesting. And and, and I remember seeing. Um, um uh, recently during the during the recent offseason where levy and bell even said that if he had to do it over again he would have switched to wide receiver because of the career longevity which yeah. yeah i mean considering what he gave up he gave up a full year to try and help running backs just that's pretty amazing well, that's i think amazing. you're seeing it with debo too man like i think debo does not want to play running back which who could blame him and that's kind of why he's like hey i'm just i'm kind of fed up with the 49ers. I'm pissed off that Shanahan was using me in this role. I didn't want to be in. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like he's amazing in that role, but for the longevity of his career, I mean, he's 26, he's dealt with a ton of injuries in his career, but, you know, even before this past year, I, I get it. You know, I, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's just kind of the way the position is trending. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, it's going to become like a platoon type of position. It's just going to be, you know, 65 to 70 percent of the snaps i think is going to be like the new bell cow role i think you're right i think you know we're just going to be looking we're going to be i think 300 carries is going to become yeah. kind of like 200 innings with the pitcher so yeah, yeah you're right you're right <laughs> rarely happens anymore jonathan taylor will get there this year if he stays healthy but him and derrick henry they'll get there and then i i don't know who 
who else could get there anymore. Zeke couldn't pass, but not anymore. Yeah, not with Paul, not not with Pollard eating up some of his carries. And yeah, you know, you mentioned the 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 Debo thing, and I, I, I mean, is it? I mean, it, it's so funny. Like, I, I whenever you see a guy who's kind of a unicorn and does things, people talk about him as, oh, let's find the next, let's find the next this. Magic Johnson's a six nine point guard. Let's find the next Magic Johnson. We're still looking forty years later. Um, but uh, you know, I mean. Where do you stay? I, I'm kind of of the opinion that you know he's unique. Let's yep. not it, it. Let's not try and force it. Yeah. Look, we're, I think we're all guilty of this, just to varying degrees. And I'm old enough to remember that we were all looking for the next Michael Thomas. Then we we're yep. looking for the next Tyreek Hill. Now we're looking for the next Debo Samuel. It's like, yeah, maybe those players are just really good at what they do, and you can find. I think our brains just like try to find these natural connections to those players, which I get. I absolutely get, but yeah, I mean, we've just very rarely seen a you know a receiver play a hybrid role like that simply because their bodies can't handle it. So yeah, I, I don't think we'll see the next Debo Samuel, and, and if we do, it's not going to be definitely not going to be the same level of player. I tell you, yes, I I, I think you're right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it, it, you know we may see some guys here and there who get the jet sweeps here and there, but you know to actually take running back carries like like Debo did last year and and remember I think it was in, it was in the Green Bay game with where they were playing in Arctic temperatures he hopped off the field toward the end and didn't finish the game and uh, you know barely played it you know I mean he played great against the Rams the next week but yeah I mean it's just such a such a crazy position such a crazy position well we're gonna get and and actually it's funny there's probably like six guys that we heard were you know possibility you know times where it's like let's he could be the next Debo and I was just like oh I just meal please no please yeah. let's not try for it like I said we're all guilty of it to a certain extent because we want to find those comparisons but it is kind of lazy you know the, the latest hot role for a receiver you got to find the next one of those it's yeah it, you know let, let's let Debo Samuel be great and then you know hopefully you could find someone that has a similar skill set to him and maybe put him in a similar role. Well, you know, there were there were about six guys I was interested in talking about today, and if they're sure. you know kind of lead from from this year's class, not necessarily you know obviously these guys are straight running backs, but some of them have the pass catching chops. Um, and number one, I think this is the consensus player. Not he, I don't I don't think he was number one on your your list, but uh, but the consensus after the landing spot was Brees Hall. I think people like the the opportunity going not having to compete so much with Michael Carter. Uh, maybe he's, you know, he's a good chance, a, a good possibility. Not, maybe he's not going to jump into Najee Harris's role did with the Steelers, but how do you like his outlook in that, in that offense? Yeah. The big question I think everyone's going to try and figure out is just how much Michael Carter is going to play, but I'm of the opinion that you don't draft a running back that early in the second round with that roster without playing in a ton, like a ton to start. Um, you know, Carter will play, I think, in a change of pace role. I think he's going to play a little bit of passing downs. But Brees is just, I mean, talent-wise, it's like you know, not even comparable. Um, I did not have Brees at one pre-draft. I do have him at RB1 now. I would take him 101 in all of the dynasty drafts. Um, I've been a little surprised, Jorge. Like, I've done a ton of best ball drafts early just because I'm a degenerate and I have nothing to do with my life. But uh, I've been a little surprised that Brees is not going earlier in best ball. He's going like the early he'll sneak into the early fifth round in some of these drafts which is surprising to me because 
one, his level of talent. We think he can be a workhorse. We know he can catch passes. We know he can hit home runs. Um, and this is an offense that's ascending. Really, at the end of the day, it comes down to how well Zach Wilson progresses, and I'm, I have no answer for that. I, I, you know, We're going to find out. But in terms of role, in terms of player, in terms of draft capital, I mean, Brees checks all the boxes. Um, my one concern with him, and this is truly a nitpick, is that at times for a player of his talent, I think he struggled in terms of processing just a, a little bit. Um, he kind of got away with it uh, at, Iowa, at Iowa State. But he, there was a few too many plays where he just kind of like either missed the hole, ran into the back of his offensive lineman, and tried to bounce it outside. He could get away with that because he's a great athlete. He ran 4.37, 217 pounds. Um, but yeah, Breeze is locked and loaded uh, for me is, is the 101 in rookie drafts. And um, I'm definitely going to be, uh, definitely going to be a little more overweight than I expected in, in, uh, in season long leagues with Bruce this year. Cause he really has top 10 running back potential. I mean, yeah. they, they upgraded their offensive line and this is still a Shanahan offense that values the run that really, really values the running back. Maybe it's, you know, it, they're, they're going to use multiple running backs here and there, but I just, I, in the fourth round, I, I kind of feel like by the, I mean, getting them at a huge discount at that point, fourth, fifth round. I, I honestly feel like it'll be like third by August. I know. See, that's where I have them ranked. I have them ranked right there at the end of the third round in my rankings. Um, at, I think I'm at 37 or 38, and I would draft I mean, his ADP right now is at 50, 51. Um, so I've, I've definitely been a little bit surprised at, uh, I, you know, it's just the Jets. It's probably a little Jets bias in there, too, which I get. It's deserved. Uh, sorry, Jets fan. It's deserved. But uh, at the same time, I mean, Brees is an awesome player. And like I said, draft capital, probable, I mean, workhorse upside. I don't. I won't say it's probable that he's a workhorse, but definitely has workhorse upside. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, he checks all the boxes. And if Zach Wilson, I mean, it, he didn't, it seemed like Michael Carter caught more passes from the other quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm. We did a year two quarterbacks a few uh, a few weeks ago. He's the guy that really has the the, the eyes on him, because, and especially now after that draft, because yeah. so many people think. Yeah, we're going to find out real quick, my friend. We're going to find out real quick if Zach Wilson's good or not. Like, We'll find out. And, you know, I think thinking back to the first six or seven weeks of last year with Zach, that offense changed completely when they brought in Mike White and Josh Johnson. They started checking the ball down more, just making just easy, easy throws. And sure, they weren't explosive plays by any means, but I would love to see the Jets. And I think this is their plan with based on who they draft between Garrett Wilson and Bruce Hall is like, let's just get the ball in the hands of our playmakers. Let's make some layup throws for Wilson and uh, and just try to, you know, move things forward from there because the offense in those first couple of games last year, I don't think it was a complete product yet. And Zach Wilson's really struggled with accuracy. So hopefully we'll see a totally different, a totally different approach to the pass game this year with their new guys that they just added. No, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a more varied offense and I, but yeah, you're right. It's coming down to him because they even added offensive linemen for him and it's just, it, it's going to be, it's it's got to be good. He's got to be good. Um, well, let's talk about the guy that that you know that you had number one. Uh, you know, going into the going into the draft, Kenneth Walker, the the Seattle. 
is it was it the Seattle landing spot or mm-hmm. that the Jets that you just thought the Jets was uh, a little more uh, alluring for yeah for, uh, Brees? Yeah. Well, let me start with the positives with Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he smashed yards created. Um, he's in the 92nd percentile in terms of yards created per attempt. He's up there with elite players, Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, um, some truly, truly elite prospects. Led this class and missed tackles force per attempt. Um, he's just kind of a magician just in terms of the way he can work his feet, get up field. Um, he's truly a master. Like, watch – I. And I watch Kenneth Walker all day long. Um, I've been saying it for, for months. Like you could put him in any offense and give him 17, 18 carries and, you know, he's going to do well. My concern with Seattle specifically is that they might stink and they might stink for a long time. Uh, I I think it's an exercise in hubris at best to say that they're going to go into this year with Drew Locke. Um, I know there's mutual disinterest with Baker Mayfield and, you know, maybe they sniff around a Jimmy Garoppolo once his shoulder checks out. But, man, like, I don't know. I don't know how you can go in this year with Drew Locke. Um, the other concern is obviously Rashad Penny played really, really well at the end of last year. Yeah. Um, he was on fire. You know, this was the Rashad Penny we thought we were getting when they drafted him in the first round. But, obviously, injuries have just kind of derailed his career. Uh, they gave him a one-year deal. Uh, it's heavily – I looked into his contract. It's really heavily incentive-laden. So, he's got to produce to get – money um i think kenneth walker will be the 1a to start and then i think he ends up running away with it but again we circle back to seattle might stink they don't run they don't really throw to the running backs and kenneth walker only caught 13 balls at michigan state this final year um you know i love the player love him as a runner but yeah there's enough red flags for me to you know adjust to new information and and bump him down just a little bit in my ranks Um, he's still at rb2 uh, I would take a couple of receivers ahead of him in rookie drafts, especially Drake London, um, and then like entertain Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm still in on Kenneth Walker talent-wise, but I, I also – there's definitely some downside risk between Seattle and you know, their whole mess right now. You know, there was some uh, – I had been thinking about this earlier uh, with the whole Rashad Penny – uh, Walker situation. And I was listening to uh, the show that Scott Barrett did with Danny Kelly. Yeah. And they threw, they threw out the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon comp, kind of like that, that combo, how that, if Penny stays healthy the whole season, if both of them stay healthy, both guys ended up uh, around 900 yards serviceable, but not, you know, not necessarily league winners for you. I, I mean, is, is, could that, is that, is that kind of like your, scary <laughs> what, you're scared yeah i think that's kind of the right comp it's like you know this yeah this seahawks coaching staff for what it's worth is stuck with penny through thick and thin i mean every time he's been healthy they've tried to play him like credit to them for you know trying to give their you know give their guys some work yeah i think that's exactly right you know um a 1a 1b type of situation on a pretty bad team um it's not exactly exciting for fantasy. And, you know, we've seen that. I was talking about best ball drafts with Brees. Like, Kenneth Walker's ADP is in, like, that 70, 80, 90 range. And I think oh. that's right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a pretty fair price for him. For best ball, especially if he takes over the job later in the season, that's a bargain. So Yeah. Well, I mean, the other the flip side of this, and I know Edwin won't want to hear this, but 
Rashad Penny might be the breaking of the injury prone as a lie thing. Like it's, this poor guy, man. I don't want to hate on him, but yeah, he's he struggled to stay healthy, and you know that's a, that's obviously a risk. Well, I mean, we'll we'll let him we'll let him let for him. But uh, uh, Matthew Armstrong, your question is going to be I'm going to I'm going to drop this one after a couple more players because uh, that's a really good question that uh, that I want uh, Graham. To, so we'll we'll put that one out. But I want to ask about James Cook. Uh, Devin Singletary had a really good closing. Got got the bulk of the carries there at the end of the season and through the playoffs. Um, Different type of runners. Uh, Cook is also great. I mean, I think Greg Cosell had him as his best ca pass catcher out of the running backs. Um, you know, how do you, how could you – can you diagnose this one? Yeah, I agree with Cosell. Uh, he was the best running back uh, – receiving running back in this class for me as well. Uh, they did a lot of really cool stuff with him in Georgia. They would split him out wide at receiver. Uh, I charted him uh, running – a receiver route or a slot route like 20 to 22 percent of the time oh, and he was getting open yeah i mean he got open and gained separation against you know sec corners uh the problem with cook is you know he's extremely explosive but he's really really small like mm -hmm. it is 195 but he's really really light in his legs and his butt uh so i i, I have concerns that he's not going to be able to really hold um a big workload together i think it's definitely a complimentary situation with him and Devin Singletary, who was great, you know, to end last year. Uh, that being said, this Bills team, man, they've, they've been looking for a really good pass catching back uh, all offseason. They basically signed J.D. McKissick. Then a day later, he went back to Washington. Um, they visited with James Cook in March. I remember seeing a tweet late night, and I was like, damn, James Cook with the Bills would be sweet. And lo and behold, it happened. I think it's a perfect, perfect player, perfect role fit for him, but for fantasy – yeah, I just don't I don't see him as, as a guy that's gonna be able to hold up anything more than like six to eight carries per game. But in that offense, you know, a couple layup touchdown opportunities, uh, there's definitely some flex appeal. But you know, if anything were to happen to Devin Singletary, I still think Zach Moss would step back in and get some of those, you know, short yardage, early down, go on carries. I don't think James Cook James Cook's role wouldn't change too much. But love the player, love the fit. Uh, just concerned about how many touches he can he can really get in, in the NFL. Yeah, I still have in my ingrained in my memory that 67 yard run he had against Alabama in the national championship wow. game. But I bet you Nick Saban has that run ingrained in his head too. Man. <laughs> he's probably been yeah, he's probably been uh, losing some sleep over that one many 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 times. Um, another receiving back, Rashad White, uh, mm -hmm. is is somewhat landing in Tampa. Uh, for Leonard Fournette had such a bell cow role, a lead caballo role, as uh, we often say on the show. Uh, I mean, is there going to be enough for, could there be enough for Rashad White, especially since Gio Bernard is still uh, lurking around? Yeah. Um, I've gone back and forth on this one. I think Rashad White is probably one of the best handcuffs in fantasy this year. I don't think he's going to eat too much into Leonard Fournette's role. They love Leonard Fournette. Uh, and they should. I mean, he is he has gone in there and done everything they've asked of him. Between being an inside grinder, their red zone back, uh, check down option for Brady, he has been really, really freaking good. Uh, he stayed. I mean, he stayed healthy. He's clearly taking care of his body now, which I don't know if he was doing in Jacksonville. All that being said, you know, they just gave Fournette a really nice contract, multiple year deal. They didn't have to do it. Uh, Fournette's their bell cow. Um, whether or not he gets like eighty percent of the carries and snaps like he did last year. 
definitely question that. You know, Rashad White probably comes in and you know eats into that a bit. Uh, but that being said, Rashad White is not close to ready to being able to handle a ton of inside carries. Uh, he struggled mightily with his vision. Um, he would miss wide open holes. Uh, if he didn't have a wide open hole, in my opinion, he really struggled to create on his own. Uh, all of that being said, he was a really good receiver too. He's just like James Cook. They used him at, uh, at wide out, split him out in the slot, gave him some screen looks. Uh, he's got really good hands. Uh, he's good in the open field too. He's got a nice little jump cut that he uses quite a bit. Uh, I like the pick a lot for the Bucks, and it makes a ton of sense. They needed the pass catcher to kind of back up Fournette in case anything happens. I don't, I don't really think Geo is that much of a factor anymore. Um, but you know, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to eat too much into Fournette's role. Yeah, that one's that one's a tough one. I mean, but he is. I mean, definitely a pass catcher. I mean, it, it, is it is it asking so much to say? Oh, he's going to come into the James White uh, role from New England days uh, right off the bat. I, it's hard I, to expect a rookie to do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, if you want to, if you want to get that James White role, you've got to be really good in pass pro. And very, very few running backs coming out of college are good in pass protection. And uh, Rashad White is not one of them. So. Um, yeah, one thing that keeps Fournette on the field is he's good in pass protection. Like he's got, he has gotten good in pass protection. He was horrible at it at LSU and he was horrible at it in Jacksonville. Uh, I think that's been one thing that's kind of earned him Brady's trust a little bit more too, is that, you know, you can trust him now in pass protection. Um, Rashad White definitely has a ways to go to, to earn that trust. It is funny how players, when they get into a winning situation, they do the little things. <laughs> what? Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm a Jaguars fan. We were a winning team when Leonard Fournette was there. That's we right, beat, that's right. We beat the Steelers, almost should have beaten the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl, and then everything fell apart. The defense fell apart, management fell apart. So for what we had one year, we've had one year in basically my entire lifetime where we've been a winning team, and Leonard Fournette was a part of it. So he, maybe he, you know what it was? He brought the winning culture to Tampa. It would have been the other way around. That Brady guy, no, 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 no. It was for not bringing the women culture to Tampa Bay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. Leonard Fournette, culture That's changer. Yep. Yeah, he's a game changer. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one, maybe. I you know what? We had a question in the chat. I'd love to see what you thought, what you think about it. Uh yeah. does James James Cook remind you of Andre Ellington? That's a good one. Ellington was a, a little bit thicker in his lower half. Um, kind of similar build though, like shorter satellite back types. A little. I think James Cook is a much better athlete. Uh, James Cook's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. He could, I mean, he was running past SEC guys. So uh, better athlete. I think role wise, yeah, you probably were never. I remember back in the day where Andre Ellington and D David Johnson were duking out for touches back in like 2015. Um, but yeah, Andre Ellington was never a guy you want to give, you know, eight to twelve carries. So I, I can see it. Yeah. Oh, and, and for your Jacksonville roots, yes, need need Mark Burnell back. So. Oh God, I know <laughs> he's coaching high school ball now uh, in Jacksonville. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll pull him off the sidelines, let him coach off uh, Trevor Lawrence here. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. We need more quarterbacks in the NFL. So I, I, I want you, I want Trevor Lawrence to be good. I want nice things. So I want nice things for, for uh, Duval. So I kind of love that. Um, so I got the last two, the last two running backs that I want to ask you about are guys that I'm scooping up all over the place in early rookie drafts. Um, first one, Damian Pierce, uh, fourth rounder out of Houston. 
I, you know, I, I, someone gave me the comp of Marion Barber and with, with the hair flying, flying out at the senior bowl, it just really, it, yeah. it really stuck with me. Um, what are, the landing spot, he's got to be out two thirty or two running backs on the other side of 30. So how do you like that possibility? Yeah, early day three pick for Damian Pierce, especially to the Texans. Uh, I, I might have fist pumped in my living room by myself maybe, uh, with that pick. Damian Pierce was my guy, man. I had him at RB4 pre-draft. Uh, I've moved him up to RB3, which probably just speaks to this class. Um, start with the positives. I mean, he was awesome in very limited touches, but he was he was awesome. Third in this class in yards created per attempt. Uh, second missed tackles forced. He was really good as a receiver, too, uh, in terms of his efficiency. The problem was that Florida staff just didn't use him. I, you know, I still yeah. don't have an answer for it, um, but it was one of the most bizarre personnel decisions I've seen in college for, for a while. Um, you know, he would come in, rip off a couple of big plays, and then they would promptly put him back on the bench. Uh, I don't know if it was just not recognizing the talent, kind of like what they did with Kadarius Tony until the end. They didn't recognize his talent until the end. I'm not really sure what was what the deal was, but when he got on the field, he made sure uh, his touches were effective. Um, he was a prolific touchdown scorer too. Again, small touch, small sample. Uh, and now, yeah, like you mentioned, he goes to the Texans between Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead. Mac was, you know, Mac's still you know, coming back from a pop to Achilles. You know, Rex Burkhead's always just kind of been a rotational player. So the opportunity is there. Uh, but, you know, Texans went with a pretty gross rotation last year with about the same talent level. And, uh, you know, they, that could just be, you know, like we kicked off the show talking about, that could just be an organizational decision to say, hey, you know, Damian Pierce is our best player, but we still want to have a rotation. Um, I, I'm, I've been buying Damian Pierce too. Uh, he's, I think he, the, the discount on him will only last so long in best ball. So if right. you want to get him, get him now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about Damian Pierce with Houston. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to uh, in June and July, take, doing my rundown with the, with the beat writers and insiders and uh Steph Stradley from uh, Houston Chronicle gave me a lot of insight, so I'd love to see what her thoughts are going to be on yeah, this one. This is going to be one I'm, oh, this is going to be one I'm very close, going to be watching very closely. Another one I'm going to watch very closely: Tyler Algier. Uh, you know, coming out of BYU, former linebacker. I'm, a, I'm, I'm sure you've never heard that before, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, another guy, another day three pick, but landing in Hotlanta. Did the, did the did the landing spot kind of bump him up in, a little bit in your rankings? Rookie uh, ranking? I have to look. I had him at RB seven pre draft, and I think I've got him. I just pulled up. And I just left it. I'll tell you. I still have an RB RB seven. Um, you know, you could watch one game of Tyler Algier and know exactly what you're getting. He is a north south bruiser uh, who loves contact and it's clear he was a former linebacker because the dude loves contact um i don't think he has a ton of burst he definitely doesn't have home run speed but what he will provide for this offense is kind of like a gus edwards element that uh, uh gus edwards has provided for the ravens I, my imagination for this offense is they run a ton of rpos ton of zone read and they need a back who can just get upfield like mariota fakes it or he gives it to him algier gets upfield runs north-south. That's kind of what I think this offense is going to be looking for in terms of the, the way they design the run game. 
Um, I, the problem for us in fantasy is like Algiers receiving production is like his upside as a receiver is probably non-existent and this Falcons team is going to struggle to put up points. And if you're an inside runner only, you got to score touchdowns. And I think Algier will probably struggle to, to put up big touchdown numbers because Cordero Patterson was, was pretty good in a goal line role last year for Atlanta. He's going to get his touches too. Um, I like the fit a lot for Algier. I just don't know if I see a ton of upside like with Damian Pierce. You know, I, I don't see the upside for Algier just to completely take over this backfield. And I think the other one that you, you talked about the you know having problems with point you know them scoring points uh, that's probably going to result in the fact that it's going to be they're going to have to go away from the running game and if he's not a big factor in the passing game, it's more Cordero Stewart. And I mean, Cordero Stewart, I'm sorry. Cordero Patterson. York, 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 man. Oh, York, like 2001. Oh, number 10. Oh my yeah. goodness. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to become what, uh, you know, what uh, Lamar Jackson became, but just, one great season and then the NFL kind of figured him out. So unfortunately I remember drafting him the year after the, the NFL, the year that the NFL figured him out. So, Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, Graham, this question from Matthew Armstrong that, that kind of, you know, talk about how he saw on Twitter that you added Haskins, Ingram, uh, Tyreon Davis or Ty- Tyreon Davis price and, and Ty Batty to the database, uh, you know, uh, it's. It, I think that'll take take over for the, the question I had planned for for here. Did those guys? What what stood out about those guys? Yeah, um, I'll start with Keontae Ingram because I think he's probably the most interesting out of that group. Uh, really fun back. Uh, he transferred from Texas uh, because of Bijan Robinson, who I'm sure we'll talk about next year. This time, Bijan Robinson or hey, is the man. That dude's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keontae Ingram transferred to USC. Was never a bell cow, but he was really good in his kind of like uh, limited role. He's a uh, slasher. You never see old school slashers anymore uh, coming out of college, but uh, he's just got like these like quick little jump steps he does behind the, the line of scrimmage, and he's got enough burst to, to make it work. Uh, fun receiver too. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, six round running backs, the hit rate is like ten percent, twelve percent on the high end. Uh, but I, I did come away impressed with Ingram uh, in his in his study. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price, just quickly on him, uh, going back and, and rewatching him, it, it's interesting to like. It's always interesting to see what running back Shanahan takes. Uh, he's had some huge hits. Elijah Mitchell was a huge hit. He's had some big swings and misses between Trey Sermon and Joe Williams. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price is an interesting one. He doesn't really fit the Shanahan mold in terms of just like being a smaller, compact. Uh, zone runner. Uh, he is 6'2", runs upright, uh, but he's got really, really good footwork, like extremely good footwork. He's not a twitchy or sudden athlete by any stretch, but he gets he gets it done with great footwork. And I think in this 49ers run game, Shanahan's just looking for efficient backs who can make their one cut in their zone, in this zone scheme and get upfield and just hammer. And I think Davis Price can be that guy. Um, you know, we talked about Debo. I think the the Davis Price pick kind of leans in on like, okay, Shanahan's not going to use Debo in this like eight to twelve carry role anymore. We need to get a bigger back in there on third down situations, third and short, goal line situations. Uh, Elijah Mitchell also kind of fell apart, unfortunately, at the end of last year too, because of all of his carries. 
so I, I think the pick makes sense, you know, uh, going back and, and rewatching Davis Price. But uh, for fantasy, man, I mean, all hell would have to break loose for him to have a ton of upside. That's that's the only thing. I mean, Mitchell would have to get hurt. Debo would probably have to get hurt. Um, and he's just not a pass catcher. And he caught like nine balls uh, his entire career in college. Um, and Ty, I want to talk uh, – he asked about Tyler Beatty too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Beatty's really – really interesting. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it for the Ravens because if you're drafting Tyler Beatty, you're kind of drafting him to be like a lowercase James Cook uh, as a pass catcher. Baltimore never throws their running backs. Um, maybe there's going to be like an organizational flip and they try to get Lamar and some more some like just check down and design plays, but Beatty is a really good pass catcher. Same thing as James Cook though. He's really small. He's 5'9", 195, and he looks it too. Um, he, I know he had 260 carries last year and against SEC competition. He held up. Credit him. Uh, still, he's very small. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's built a little more compactly than James Cook. But Beatty was a really interesting pick by the Ravens. I think it was more of just like a depth pick. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like Keontae Ingram the most out of the guys that I added. Uh, I actually just drafted him in the fourth round of a rookie draft. He's one of my main targets for, for remaining rookie dynasty drafts. And, uh, I'll, I'll sniff around on Tyrion Davis Price too. And what about uh, Hassan Haskins? Yeah, Haskins is—it's kind of the same situation as Tyler Algier. You know, you put on one game, yeah. you know exactly what you're getting. Haskins is an inside runner only. Uh, he's not got a ton of burst, um, but he's powerful. Um, and you know, I think that pick makes it—that pick made a ton of sense for the Titans. You know, a day three big hammer back in case Derrick Henry goes down. We can rely on him for a couple games. Uh, I think that that pick makes a ton of sense, but again, it comes back to the Davis Price thing. You know, the, you know these bigger backs that don't catch the ball don't have a ton of upside unless they're Derrick Henry. And Hassan Haskins is not Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a reason why he's likely to be his backup this year. So just sitting sitting back before, behind him. Um, you know, uh, l- last year, you know. You know, we talked a little bit about last year's uh, rookie class, and I think there are three guys, three situations that that we're talking about. Um, Najee was your Najee Harris was your number one guy last year, and obviously, and he produced like it. I think he was in PPR scoring, he was the tight, he was the running back three on the season, twelve hundred over twelve hundred yards, uh, over seventy receptions, just really delivered. Are, are you any any concern with the change to Trubisky? uh as a, as a quarterback and then maybe and also just not not the lack of the not not heavy investment in the offensive line in the draft well for better or worse the Steelers are, are much higher on their offensive line than I think the yeah. collective public is um you, you know look I mean the Steelers line has been really bad for a couple of years bottom believe in terms of run blocking uh, you know, if you want to look at yards before contact or some more advanced metrics, they've been really bad. And like you said, they've not really done too much to add to it. Um, that will continue to be a concern for Najee. But at the end of the day, man, we want him catching catching balls. And, uh, you know, Najee coming out of college uh, was the number one receiver in my database in terms of missed tackles forced per reception. And guess what? He led all running backs last year in missed tackles forced per reception. The dude is just he's a wizard uh, with the ball in his hands in open space. Uh, especially being a bigger back, you don't expect him to have a burst and the quick feet that he has, but he does. Uh, you know, he's 235, but he runs like he's 215. He's got moves like he's 215. Um, I love, love Najee Harris this year. I, I think I'm going to be higher on Najee than I think 
pretty much everybody else. Uh, he's my RB3 right now. I have him over Derrick Henry. I got him over Austin Eckler. I'm all in on, on Najee. Um, this Steelers team, man, they're they're quietly building like a yeah. – I mean, they have some weapons, man. I mean, beyond Deontay and, and Claypool, Pickens is – has all the talent in the world. Calvin Austin's a fun little player. Fryermuth's fantastic. He's going to be a fantastic tight end. He's going to start 10 to 12 years in the league. And then Najee. I mean, they've got a ton of young talent. It's just going to come down to, you know, how quickly Kenny Pickett can yeah, can kind of get, get, get going. Um, I'm not a quarterback scout by any means, but the people that I do listen to and do read – they all have Kenny Pickett as like the number one most ready to play week one. So I, I think we'll – We'll see Pickett early. It's not week one or week two. I think we'll we'll see Pickett uh, in, in late September. Yeah, I wonder if it's like his ceiling would be kind of on a rookie year would be something like Mac Jones had last year. So, which I think I, any of us would take it with that on those receivers. Kevin, well, Kevin Colbert's gone now. This is his last draft. Yeah. Mike Tomlin and that Steelers front office. If if Kenny Pickett is turns around and turns into a Mac Jones type, like they are going to be doing backflips. Like they will be thrilled. If Kenny Pickett turns into a Mac Jones kind of guy, yeah, I heard I heard somebody say if they, if they could squint hard enough, is he Joe Burrow? And it's like <laughs> that was the talk. That was that, and I, I've heard that too. But the big thing with Burrow is like his pocket awareness is like ninja level. Like he yeah. he has an unbelievable sense of pressure and how to maneuver the pocket. It's like Brady almost. Um, so yeah, if you want to throw out a Burrow comp, maybe in terms of arm strength and talent, similar, but but Burrow is just. Ninja. Well, let's go back to Jacksonville uh, and one running back that we're waiting for his debut. And somebody we were, we were last year when we talked, we were both excited about him. Travis Etienne, uh, you know, first round draft capital missed the year was a list a list Frank injury. Uh, doesn't have any. I mean, James Robinson out with the Achilles. I don't think we're expecting another six month recovery like with Cam Akers. Uh, I think Edwin and I talked uh, recently, and he talked. You know, again, you wanted to look at about a year for that coming back from that injury. But Travis Etienne in that in that offense. Uh, granted, it's a new new uh, a, a new coach who didn't draft him. What uh, excitement level? Both yeah. as a Jags fan as a. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you can only get so excited as a Jags fan, you know. Uh, my, my buddy Jack texts me like every month that the Jags are going to the Super Bowl, and uh, I, I appreciate and I love him. But yeah, you can only get so excited as a Jags fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I talk. I actually need to talk to Edwin about a couple injury situations, ETN being one of them. But uh, yeah, I mean he'll be right there at a year, fully removed yeah. from Jones. Um, it's just one of those things, man. Like I, I truly have no idea what kind of role they're going to envision for him, especially early in the year. Um, I think ETN got overdrafted a little bit. Uh, I, I struggled with him as an inside runner, but obviously I get it. You know, he's a fantastic playmaker at Clemson, especially as a receiver. He's got home run speed. You just have to hope that, you know, he can return to form and, and make sure that foot's okay. Um, I have ETM basically like um, ranked right at his price uh, in early best ball drafts. He's going like 55, 60. And I think that's about the right range. I mean, he definitely has a ton of upside. Um, but, you know, the downside is still very real. The good news about my Jags, Jorge, is they're going to be better. They will be better than last year. I can say that for sure. Doug Peterson will write the ship. Trevor Lawrence will look a little better. 
Um, they're going to be better, but they're still a long, a long way away. Um, I would have loved to see them trade back if they could have. I don't think they ever could have. But and take an offensive lineman um, to help out Lawrence, help out the run game, help out ATN. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm. I want to be cautiously optimistic with ETN, but at the same time, you know, I, I still think this is going to be some sort of backfield split, and, and ETN's probably not going to get the role we want him to in year one, or now year two. Yeah, now year two. I mean, I, I think I think we're all. I think definitely we're hopeful that that Trevor Lawrence is going to take that step forward that quarter, a lot of quarterbacks do in that year two. So, please, por favor. please let that let's see that happen. I'd, I'd love to see that. I mean, it would be it would be just great for the NFL. Uh, but also for fantasy, especially if he adds the running element to it. Um, the, the next one, we kind of touched on it a little bit. John Javante Williams kind of there was a big sigh when Melvin Gordon got re-signed. Um, what, what was your reaction and how much did that kind of impact optimism for this year? Uh, honestly, I wasn't too surprised. Um, there was mutual interest between Gordon and their new GM Patton uh, and bringing him back. And, and Melvin, let's face it, was really good last year. He earned that role to split with Javante Williams. Um, you know, obviously he's going to be another year older now. Uh, I don't think we're going to see like the true 50-50 split like we saw for most of last year. I think it'll probably go a little closer, like 60-40 for, in, in favor of Javante. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Melvin's still a really good back. You know, still really good back. He's still got that speed. He's still uh, got good hands. Um, that's something he really worked on when he was with the Chargers in L.A. is, is his hands. Um, I, you know, it definitely kills some of the buzz for sure. I mean, I was ready to have Javante Williams at like six in my rankings uh, up until Melvin Gordon resigned. I've now bumped Javante to like the back end of the second round. Um, I think a lot of people are probably feeling similar to how you and I feel. It's like we don't. We still want to buy the talent, but we really, in the back of our minds, we know that, you know, the role that we want for him is probably not going to be there. No, I hear you on that one. And, you know, I had a question in there about Elijah Mitchell. We kind of of covered that when we were talking about Ty Davis Price. Um, But, you know, kind of talking about draft strategy a little bit, uh, you know, where it comes to the running backs. Yeah, I think I think uh, we there's still so much talk about zero RB out there. Is there a point in the first round of a single QB draft where you're going to be looking at grabbing like a receiver, like a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase or a a Cooper Cup? Yeah, I think this year is really interesting. Um, Just, you know, it's May 11th. A lot's going to change. But uh, just doing some of the drafts that I've done, uh, you can build really, really fun teams in the first three rounds. Uh, if you do take Cup at two, you take Jefferson at five or six, you take Chase at five or six. Uh, those guys obviously all have just incredible ceilings, especially Cup again, uh, especially in Jefferson too. Um, they all have just great ceilings. But what's interesting is the second and third round is just like loaded with backs. You know, we just talked about Javante Williams. I love Aaron Jones. I love Leonard Fournette. I love DeAndre Swift. Uh, Alvin Kamara, we'll see on his suspension. He might get suspended. Um, there's some third round backs that I like. Um, I think you could take J.K. Dobbins. You could take David Montgomery and feel pretty good about your roles there. So the way drafts have set up this year is, yeah, you can take Cooper Cup at two or three. You can take one of these receivers in the middle round, uh, middle of the first round, and feel pretty good about the backs you're going to be able to get in the second, third. 
Um, the problem then becomes, you know, if you don't take some of those backs in the second, third, fourth and fifth round, especially the fifth round running back starts to really, really fall off this year. Um, you're you're going to see a lot of backs in round two, three and four, and then it falls off a cliff. So, you know, you got to be really, really sharp with your, with your zero RB picks this year. Cause you know, the backs that we want are rightfully getting pushed up the board. And uh, just from a team structure standpoint, I think it can work and I've done it. Uh, I actually kind of like it a lot, taking Jefferson at like six or seven. Um, but yeah, I'm not a zero RB guy. Um, I'll do it if the board calls for it, if my targets at running back aren't there. Um, but I never go into a draft thinking like, I got to take no running backs. Um, I think that's a losing strategy. Yeah, I had some fun playing with zero RB in a dynasty startup recently. And uh, yeah, it was that works super in yeah, yeah, Scott Scott Barrett likes that too. Um, we've talked a bit about that. And that makes sense. You know, if you think about it, you don't take any running backs in Dynasty. It's the most like fungible position. Those guys get yeah. hurt through the offense. You want to, you know, build around young receivers. I've I've done that quite a bit. Um, I like that strategy in Dynasty. Way less so yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's it, I think you really have to thread the needle in redraft. And and I think honestly, this this past year, the only way you're gonna win your league is if you, you know, if, if you ended up with, uh, you know, I think it was Jamar Chase in like the sixth round or something like that, because he had that monster week championship week and getting uh Cooper cup, like in the third round or something like third or fourth round. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it it's tough to do that. I think it's fun, but then I think I, I had a show recently with a couple of uh, zero RB zealots and they said, you know, you just get used to the fact that you're not going to like your running backs. So just resign yourself to that. Well, I kind of like what I've, what I've been doing with my teams that I draft for redraft, not best ball. It's like I'll take one runner in the first two rounds and then just like not touch the position until the late rounds. And you can just kind of like, you know, you feel really good about, okay, I got, let's call it Dalvin Cook at 10. Feel great about that. And I'll just attack receiver for the next five, six rounds, get a quarterback at a tight end, and then come back to running back. You're kind of like getting the best of both worlds. It's like, um, I call it superhero running back. You have your one superhero and then you just have a bunch of guys at RB2 and RB3 and just play the waiver wire game because um, that's what everybody's doing anyway. Love it. Love it. And that's kind of, that's one of the ones that I've really liked to use a lot. So that's been a lot of fun. That's uh, been a lot of fun. All right. So let me see. I think, uh, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, man, you really, you really hit on a lot. So one thing, you know, we've bonded over baseball over the, uh, over the last uh, years in our, in our friendship, you know, you talked about how uh, you grew up, grew up Yankee fan, uh, lean more toward the Dodgers recently, especially in your time uh, working for NFL network. They're both really good now. They both have good offenses. 1981 was the last time uh, that the two of them could. Uh, uh, how exciting would that be to see it come back? And oh man, well, the Yankees are going to inevitably collapse in the most horrific and uh, hilarious way possible. I'm just, you know, you got to plan for it uh, in August. Uh, I was a Yankees fan because I loved Derek Jeter, and then all the advanced stats ruined Derek Jeter for me because he's basically like the worst fielder of all time. Uh, but I uh, yeah, I, you know, Dodgers look poised again. You know, um, Kershaw is just the linchpin right now. It's unbelievable what he's doing. This is arguably the best he's been in years. Uh, yeah, but Yankees look good. That, that offense is really good, and 
they're they're doing it with Stanton playing mediocre with Donaldson not really hitting yet. So um, yeah, Yankees lineup is definitely dangerous. Claybro uh, Torres just hit a home run a couple hours ago. It's the, oh wow! The game on. He's he's turned it back around too. Um, yeah, baseballs. Want to get your opinion? What you know? Sure. What What do you think of the whole? I guess just in general, you know, we obviously have the labor dispute that they figured out. Thank God. What do you think about the direction of the game in general between them trying to make it a little faster? Um, you know, it just kind of feels like baseball is becoming more and more niche. And I don't know if it should be because the talent right now is, is unbelievable. In my opinion. I, I think you're right. I mean, I've been, I've been saying that the next money ball should involve base running. So with with more, you know, trying to find fast base runners, it does. I'd love to see another Ricky Henderson, Tim Raines, you know, Vince Coleman stealing 100 bases. I don't think we're ever going to get to that point, but I want to just see more guy, you know, more movement in the ball because we've got great athletes in there. You got guys like Fernando Tatis out there. I mean, Ronald Acuna. I mean, these are these are just incredible. I mean, these are some of the best. I mean, Trout. Uh, these are the best athletes we've ever seen play baseball, and I, I want to see them run. I think, I think to me, there are a few things as exciting. Uh, as as to me seeing Mike Trout run round second going for third on a triple it, it's one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen on any kind of sporting field so I want to see that a little bit more I'd love to see the shift go away well they're getting ready aren't they next year yeah I they're yeah. they're going to make adjustments to it I just want to yeah. see two two fielders on each side of the ball so that to me that's yeah. let, let's 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 make guys play defense so yeah, I, I yeah, I think killing the shift is a big part of it. I mean, look, you know, this kind of goes into more specifics on baseball, but like being a pole hitter isn't a bad thing. It's actually a skill. Like mm-hmm. I you know, you the argument again the argument for the shift is like, you know, hitters just need to be able to go the opposite way. That's much easier said than done when you're getting a ninety six mile per hour fastball on the outside corner. Like good luck catching up to that. Um yeah, I, I'd love to see the shift killed. I'm with you on base running. Um, it's interesting, like, it's kind of cool to see the coaching changes a little bit. Like it used to be, you know, you can run if you're, if your coach or your manager gives you the, the go ahead. Now it's like, it kind of feels like a little more free will. Um, like if you time up, uh, if you time up the pitcher, just go, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. It definitely would make the game more exciting. Yeah, I, I, I just want to see that because I think I think plus it plus also with with getting rid of the shift, I think we'll see more singles coming into play. So I think yeah. base running will become more important that way, and uh, that it's it's just, give give us more, please, please. We don't have to, we don't ask for much, just more running. That you know more running and make guys play defense. I I, I understand how they're going to do the pitching. So I you know it's. Uh, we're, we're going to have to get used to combined no hitters all over the place. Yep. Uh, though, uh, uh, though the guy from the, the, the angels last night, big shout out. Uh, you know, know. Yeah. Yeah. Detmer, man. He had a great night. Great. It's been really good too. It's funny. Like I was to, I get a text group with some baseball buddies and I, I said, guys, the, the third most, impressive thing in that game was Mike Trout hitting two home runs. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Sure. Anthony Rendon going, you know, hitting hitting the home run left-handed off. Of crazy. Was that, his first, was that his first at-bat going switch in the MLB? Yeah, ever. That's crazy. Yeah. 
just did it because yeah. they they brought yeah. in high school. Like you don't have right. I bet you he bat he batted switchy in, in high school. That's yeah, it's really cool. That was and you know when you look at that that at bat, it was the swing. It was total beer league. You know, big high, high leg kick and just yeah. kinda, he yeah. was just swinging from his heels. <laughs> I'm sure he's done it in batting practice and stuff like that, which is what Brett Phillips was throwing. He was throwing batting practice fastballs out there, and yeah. so just. Uh, so that was fun that 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 to me we need more fun at baseball and that that that's what's that's what's great so i want to you know more action more fun let's let's see that and and speaking of action and fun uh you know you a friend of mine just recently spent some time in uh the colorado rockies and and had uh and was raving about the green chili so we talked about tacos last year, but I want to know what other what other new things you might have discovered in a in a state that is really underrated for its Mexican food. Yeah, green chili is really really good. Um, there are so many like small mom and pop um, restaurants all throughout Denver. Uh, there's a really good one on Broadway where I've gotten like the best barbacoa tacos uh, that I've ever had in my life. They are so freaking good. Um, uh, I haven't tried a ton, but that place, I'm forgetting the name of the place. It's right around my house. Uh, it's the best barbacoa I've ever had. Um, but green chili, that sounds really good. I had some, um, a green chili plate when I was in LA, uh, last. And it sounds, you're making me hungry now. I haven't had much to eat. So now I'm, now I'm, you know, I'm craving it. <laughs> Boulder is really good for food though. Boulder, if you're ever in the Colorado area or, doing a trip in the Rockies. Boulder's amazing for food. There's a ton of really good places up there. Oh man. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, you're, well, you're making me hungry because I'm having a late lunch after this. So, uh, oh, this is awesome. Graham, como siempre. I mean, it, it's always a pleasure to catch up live. I mean, this is, this, this is so much fun. I mean, I mean, everybody, uh, you know, you talk, we touched a little bit on what, what you got coming up. I know you, um, what are, what are some of the things that, uh, some more addendums to yards created and uh, other content that that's coming out for fantasy points. Yeah. Um, I've got my yards created breakdown. I think I mentioned that, uh, mm -hmm. out probably Friday or early next week. Uh, we'll get that up full class breakdown and then it's best ball. Um, I'm going to be doing best ball tiers, uh, some strategy articles. We have a really cool new partnership with underdog, uh, we'll be doing some live drafts between our staff. Um, we should get you on and have a live draft. We'll, uh, sure. we'll, yeah. we'll get you on uh, in the summer and we'll do a live draft, something like that. Love it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, we'll be uh, fully into best ball season. John has put up the projections on the site. So again, familiar 22, if you want to get 10% off, look at some early projections, start theorizing who you're going to take for your fantasy leagues this year. Uh, we got those up so yeah it's it's full go you're around for us now jorge yeah i know and, and the the hansen's hints that he's been that that have been coming out recently really cool short yeah. pods and everything like that and uh uh actually yeah uh he, he and i've gone back and forth a little bit about talking about dodgers uh yankees a little bit so that'll be that, that could be fun kind of reliving the 81 world series from when we were kids so that'd be a lot of fun um but yeah no i love it i love it again I can't thank you enough for your friendship as much as uh, beyond, uh, you know, every, everything 
just thank you so much for your friendship and uh and 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 uh, you know what's funny i was listening back to uh, our pod from last year and uh some of the advice that 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 you passed along was really was really cool and it uh just just how, how to make it and i'm sure I, I listened to it <laughs> and I know others did too. So it was, it was really cool. So otra vez gracias. And familia, eso es todo for our show. Um, special thanks to YouTube for putting us out there. Please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. Also, uh, again, fantasypoints.com, familia22. I'll get you 10% off. Otra vez, otra vez. Get it right there. Uh, we had a good month last month. So let's, let's keep it going. Uh, thank you. Special thanks to Anchor for putting our, independent podcast on apple google spotify wherever you get your podcasts we're gonna have some, i'm gonna have some articles coming out on familiafepi.com look for them on the twitter sphere at jorge martin 17 right here and again facebook twitter instagram go to familiafep you'll find us there so all the content going out over there otra vez to our invitado un millón de gracias un millón de gracias everybody enjoy you know it's the kickoff of best ball season it's may football fantasy football is year round enjoy your dynasty drafts and your rookie drafts let's have some fun because always remember todos somos familia salud